God bless you guys. God bless the world, buddy. Let's go racing. sounds pretty good man welcome to the shores of lake norman <laughs> here at the off-axis paint studios in mooresville north carolina this is the reason why we got a desk here was because this general region isn't uh all that great it's quite for, a sight uh, <laughs> i'm kind of fat uh you got a lot of rolls here like a bakery but uh yeah, thanks to Greg Stump for letting us stop by. I'm actually in town here in Charlotte. My dog has to get her second and third injections for heartworm. And then she'll officially be ours, our child. Couldn't find uh, a doctor in Michigan, huh? She already, well, it, the procedure is ridiculously expensive. And we're getting it for free through where we adopted oh, her. Gotcha. It's called the Heart to Heart Program, which is a really cool program, by the way, if you want to adopt a dog. Uh, a lot of well, at least the Mecklenburg County kennels, um, they'll if they have a heartworm positive dog, they'll put they'll go through the whole thing for free, and then you get adopter. We're not even gonna pay that much to adopt. I think it's like ten bucks. Nice, I didn't know that. To adopt her now, she's more expensive than Marshall, um, and more expensive than Stinky. Well, Stinky's a cat, so it comes with the territory. But uh, we've but we've had cats that we've paid for, and well, we had a cat that we paid for. R.I.P. <laughs> no longer with us <laughs> yeah we're back in studio so uh this is i was saying um to our producer alan who's uh here in the vmix we're still going to have a guest chet's going to call in they are arriving at their hotel in volusia near volusia because the all-stars race tonight him and tim truex um but then chet and i will be going on to ocala for the usac national midget series where chase elliott is going to be racing at all of a sudden uh, all hands on deck has now happened because uh, Chase Elliott obviously is a pretty big name. But, I mean, let's be honest, the, the USAC midget field looks good. Um, I think Spridge said 40 um, sprint cars and somewhere around 30 for uh, midgets yeah. so it's going to be a good it's going to be a good winter dirt games i think yeah i mean it's the highest car count ever for the midgets down there um you know they've only done it a couple of years but um you know super super deep field you know which is just what we've come to expect from the midgets you know these days i mean there's uh you know keith's bringing six cars you know chad has Wyndham and, and chase obviously and bundy's bringing two cars i mean there's you know a lot of guys you know rms has got grant and timez i mean it's a super super competitive field this year Really is uh, Logan CV with Malloy, yeah. uh, which is pretty entertaining. Uh, Flea's going to bring his cars down. RMS, like you said, is bolstered up. Um, there's some really really good cars that are going to be go there. So there's a ton of news. I think actually Jason McDougall's going down there too with Robert yeah, with Dolby. Dolby. Yeah, um, going down to Florida. So it seems like everyone's a little bored here this winter, and they're putting their cars together. Some cars going down there that we haven't really seen uh, in the past go down to Florida are going. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's. I think it's great. You know, everybody's everybody's ready to go, and um, it'd be a great field. So, did you end up watching the All Access again, or no? My All Access, yeah. 
I haven't watched it since it came <laughs> out. I watched it the I watched it the one time, and that's it. <laughs> the one time we went through the the process. Yeah. That's it. I did get we got a, we got some DMs saying that was a good bird. I mean, oh yeah, that uh, I think that rivals um, who's the guy that flipped off uh, Sammy? Oh, Daniel Robinson. <laughs> no, mine wasn't near as good. Which as one that. was better? Which Daniel one was Robinson better from a chili? Sure. You Daniel, think so? Yes. He did it in the car. Well, out yours the, was good. Out form. the right side of the the cage. Yeah, I can't really say form when his was <laughs> hammering the his, bottom his with is, one hand and the bad. other one out the window and him standing on the gas. That yeah. guy has he's legend, dude. We've had some good fingers over the years uh, at the Chili Bowl. Brings it out, everybody. You, I mean, you made you're going to make the loud pedal video. Yeah, that's what I'm excited about. <laughs> I'm gonna, well, we've talked about it on the show before. You know, I told Truex, you know when I first met him that, you know, I, I always just had a goal when I was racing to do something cool enough to make the loud pedal video. <laughs> I wish it wasn't me getting, you know, destroyed on the front stretch. Um, but nonetheless, if I'm in it, I guess that's what counts. Yeah. We're going to have a pseudo loud pedal video. Uh, Timmy obviously shot the whole infield. Um, you may have seen his C bell flip, which is the best shot of the week easily. May, he said might be his best shot he's ever had in Tulsa. Wow. Which is phenomenal. And you can see that on, the work area piece I posted, I mean, we put it up as raw content, uh, his slow-mo of Seabell flipping. I think Tanner Thorson's is just as good. Uh, and he got a good shot of yours, too. Oh, he did? Yeah, oh, yeah, because it's in the all-access. Um, not as good as Seabell's and Tanner's. He was right there for Seabell's. Yeah, here he was. I, I'm wondering, what? how do drivers feel about that, that flip being posted? I mean, if you're not hurt, cars tore up, yes, but how, how do drivers feel about those being posted because I have heard drivers in the past and Timmy has had drivers come up to him complaining that it's in sour taste. Do you agree? I don't know. I mean, I think it depends on the context. I think for, I mean, in Christopher's case, I mean, that was for the win of the chili bowl, you know, and it was what everybody was talking about. And it was such a cool looking shot that, you know, it's hard. It would be hard to not post that. I think it, I think it just depends on, on the circumstance, you know, if, you know, obviously, if the guy's you know banged up and not feeling good when he gets out, maybe you don't post it or something. But um, you know, it's not like it's not like they're the photographers are just doing their job. You know, so I don't I don't think it's you know in poor taste or anything. I think that C Bell wears it as a badge of honor. I would. I think I would too. Yeah. Like, I mean, he. I mean, it was the last lap. There was no other way he was going to get around him. Yeah. I mean, unless he, he sent it. He said afterwards, he's like, "Oh, I knew I was going to crash." You know, he said when he set the car and just was, he said, I, I was going too fast and I knew my angle wasn't right. So he said, I knew I was going to crash, but I, did, I didn't have any other choice. Yeah. Narrow racetrack. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not the racetrack's fault, but I mean, it got, it got wide there at the end, but it just had to keep up with them. So, I mean, there was some spectacular crashes and I can't wait for that uh, loud pedal. We're not, I don't think we're going to call it the loud pedal. It's just basically a, a, a chili bowl highlight. And that's going to come out actually after Florida. Uh, we talked last week about rankings, and we had a couple people message in, tweet us, saying they do want to see rankings. Well, good news, we are having a rankings, and it's coming out after Florida. It's going to be, and I'm breaking this because this is my job, and th I mean, this is what I'm doing. This is what I've started, um, and I've put together a survey monkey that has been distributed to members of the Sprint Car Media I'm not going to disclose any names. It doesn't matter who it is. I don't want to because some people voting have rankings themselves, right? And we don't want to, you know, we don't want to cross the streams there, if you will. But let's just say the panel that we have voting is spectacular. Dylan did not vote. He was busy. He was 
doing the the Rolex 24 or whatever. Yeah, I was a little busy. (laughs) But he will be voting. Um, The Wing Sprint Car Power Rankings will be the first one that will be released. It's going to have a combination of World of Outlaws, All-Stars, everyone in this country, even overseas. We had one Sprint Car Media member uh, vote for um, James McFadden, who is um, coming back over here eventually to run with the Outlaws. What do you think about that rule? I guess we can get into that. He gets 70 points for yeah. every race, even though he's not going to be there. Yeah. I, yeah. And it's it's kind of bizarre to me, too. Anywho, James McFadden is a good race tra- car yeah. driver. We don't need to poo-poo on the well, what's, with that what's rule. Well, what is their points? I mean, how much is 70 points? Is that just is that like show-up points, basically? From what I saw, it was just like – and I, I think Chet has come into the room. From what I saw, it was just like uh, – I don't know if it's in, it was in their rule book before, but it was like um, – unforeseen circumstances yeah but i just didn't know like where that 70 points is on like the points scale oh i have no idea yeah but it's just basically show up points is what it seems without showing up yeah it's 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 weird to me too how you like me now Welcome back to the Off-Axis Paint Studios here in Mooresville, North Carolina, along the shores of Lake Norman. Um, Chet Christner is along the shores of Daytona Beach, Florida, where he is uh, going to Volusia tonight, and then we'll scoot on over to Ocala for USAC. So you're getting a heavy dose of the All-Stars and USAC. Chet, you love sprint car racing. This has got to be a good time for you. Yeah, it's an awesome time. We started out up at Screven which I had never been to that racetrack before. And uh, it was a neat little facility and really good racing. We saw up there with the All-Stars. And then headed down to East Bay, we got kind of rained out. It didn't really rain out. They had rain the night before. Things were flooded down there, and the weather was horrible. Uh, so they canceled the first night. We got to run last night. They ran it through quick. It was like 49 degrees, I think, or something like that whenever we finished racing mm. there. But, uh, again, really good racing at East Bay and now Volusia. So we get to go to the big track here. Uh, tonight and then I, I'll miss the second night of the All Stars. They are racing tomorrow night as well. But uh, yeah, I love it. Headed for over for midgets at uh, Ocala at Bubba Raceway Park. They apparently reshaped that racetrack, turned three and four, changed a little bit, and uh, been watching a little bit of the late model racing action over there. And the track looks absolutely phenomenal. So I think we're going to see some uh, really good action at Bubba this year too. Chat, did you go through the concession stand buffet at Screven? Did you get any of that food? It looks good. <laughs> It's funny because I got, and that's, everybody was telling me, you got to eat there, you got to eat there, you got to eat there. And every time I went over to get something to eat, the line was so long and I just didn't have time. And unfortunately I did not get to eat at Scrubbing, but I watched other people eat and I got to see what they were eating and it looked awesome. But yeah, it was just, just too many people. Well, our friend Steve Post uh, was there plenty uh, from Wing Nation. I'm the, I'm the resident foodie at Flo, so I definitely would have been there. It probably would have been a camera there too. Um, but, uh, that looked amazing. I was just thinking about food the other day because when, and, and a lot of, a lot of these, (laughs) a lot of these race car drivers who are watching this or whoever, if you're fans like Lima land motorsports park is my hometown, right? So Lima, they have QP burgers, QP hamburgers, which is a famous delicacy of not only the Midwest, but, um, Wendy's stole their idea, uh, and took it national and corporate. And they're like the 
original hamburger and malt, square hamburgers, chili, fries. Go to QP. I had to go there at 9 in the morning the other day because the line is too long usually, but I was also leaving town. But I ate a cheeseburger and fries at 9 a.m. and a malt. Wow. <laughs> That's about as you bad as you can Continue get. to outdo yourself. <laughs> I wonder what Bubba's got cooking up down there. Uh, yeah, I am going to Ocala with Chet. We are going to have some content. And Chase Elliott will be – we were talking about it in the open. Um, Chase Elliott will be um, at – Ocala. Wow, I got, I got confused up Bubba uh, with Chad Boat Motorsports. How cool is that to you to see? Uh, you appreciate all types of racing, Chet. Um, the NASCAR Cup Series champion has dove off the deep end into dirt racing, and he's done a pretty good job so far. He has done a good job, and it, I was reading an interview with him where he addressed this a little bit about the fact that, you know, whenever you try different uh, types of racing, it makes you a better race car driver in general. And uh, I think that's I think he's embracing that aspect of it. I think he was pleasantly surprised whenever he went down to the Chili Bowl and raced down there and got to see what the midget racing is all about and how I mean, there's there's a massive amount of talent to be found out there in midget racing. And he, I think, saw that firsthand and, and realized it's a it's a path for him to develop more talent for him as a racer, too. So uh, just because you're a cup champion doesn't mean you stop growing. I, I don't think. Well, and the thing I like about him, too, is that. You know, he, like you said, Ty, has dove off the deep end. Like, he's run Chili Bowl, which is obviously the most tough race there is. And then he goes to Ocala, which, I mean, is this year is shaping up to be super tough as well. So he's, I mean, he's not shying away from the challenge of, you know, one, learning the sport, but two, you know, trying to compete against the best and learn from the best as well. Yeah, I agree with that. That's, that, and you hear that, if you want to be fast, you got to race fast. And so it's, it's. It doesn't do you a whole lot of good if you're going to start, you know, if you're going to switch to dirt track racing and go out and just run to your local racetrack and, and see some guys that maybe aren't at the skill level that you have, even if you've never really been on dirt a whole lot before. But uh, you're right. I mean, that's you sat coming into this this year. I think what there's like 18 full time teams in midget racing. Keith Coons has uh, got six car team that's coming out full time and uh, just it, it's going to be an epic year for you. Yeah, the National Midget Series is going to be super fun. Uh, all of the USAC contenders were contenders in the building in Tulsa. Um, you know, a big year at the Chili Bowl uh, with guys like Malloy, who put Brendan Bright in their car, or not Brendan Bright, well, Alex Bright in their car, but now we'll have Logan Seavey uh, to run the tour this year. Um, and, and you mentioned the RMS group, Timez and Justin Grant. They're going to be so much fun to watch. Flea Ruzik's going to come down there uh, with their with their squad. Um, you know, of course, you got – who, who uh, Cole Bodine, who impressed me uh, at the at Tulsa again with Clawson Marshall Racing. So uh, heavy hitters, you know Tyler Courtney is going to be running the All Star Tour. Uh, so the the Midget Championship to me is wide open, leaving it for you know someone who is like a Justin Grant or a team as a journeyman who can finally win this championship. The other thing too, one of the entries that I saw because I was looking at Ocala uh, to see who was going to be showing up there. And I was super stoked because you and I did the shootout together, and there was a, a racer there that I was kind of watching the shootout that I was really impressed with, and that was Trey Gropp. And I saw that he's going to be at Ocala in a midget. And I'm pretty stoked to see how he does, uh, you know, down there running at a different racetrack, not necessarily an indoor track, but uh, a, a different racing facility too. But there's some names that I feel like this is going to be a year where obviously you have the names that are known in USAC and you have the names that are known in, in the All-Stars, but you're going to see some new names cropping up this year. Uh, that are going to hit a lot of people's radar. I guess another part of this too is Cannon McIntosh um, 
with Keith Coons Motorsports last year, had a great year, won a few races. Uh, he and Buddy Kofoid really were the stars of Keith Coons Motorsports last year. Kofoid will continue to be the star of Keith Coons Motorsports, but Cannon has decided to move back home, live in Tulsa full-time again, live with his parents, help work on his race team with Tanner Thorson, and they're back at it. I guess in your estimation, and, and Chet, we were talking about the sprint car rankings uh, that we're getting ready to release uh, for Flow. Um, where do you evaluate uh, the rankings in the midgets right now uh, with all this you know, ride swapping, if you will? You know, I think that's the thing where people are just trying to find their comfort level. Uh, the Cannon McIntosh is a, is a very good wheel man. I think everybody knows that he established himself whenever he run, won the uh, Shamrock classic, you know, first shot out of the bag there was that last year, or the year before, but I feel like he was never really comfortable at, with Keith Coons. It's just a, it's a different operation. Keith runs a very, very professional operation and Cannon is more of a relaxed racer is how I would, would term it. And I think him going back over with uh, Dave McIntosh racing, coming back home again, is just it increases his comfort level tremendously uh, there. And I think he's going to be much faster because of it. And I could be way off on that. But I, I'm just one of those guys that I, I feel like the, a driver has to be comfortable with the people that they're working with. And that's, you know, that's something, Dylan, you could probably attest to that too because you, you run a lot of different cars for a lot of different people. And there's some people that you probably just work better with. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think too, even for Cannon, you know, it, it's a good opportunity for him to – like you said, Chet, you know, go back to a place where he is comfortable, but also have the opportunity to learn from one of the best midget drivers out there right now. And, and Cannon, I think, is in that category, but Tanner Thorson, you know, as his teammate, um, I think having both of them in the same camp together will be invaluable for both of them. I mean, I'm sure I would think, Chet, they could probably bounce ideas off each other and make themselves even that much better and the team that much better, too. Yeah, and that's what and Tanner Thorson's a driver where I've I've said this before in the past too. He's severely underrated. I mean, he's very good and he's made a name for himself in midget, but he's also a, a, a driver that builds race cars. He I've seen him as a crew chief on 410 sprint cars before, wing sprint cars. He's a very good wing sprint car racer, and uh, I do believe he brings a lot to the table that maybe is is even outside of the midget world that will help Cannon develop as well. But you're right, that's uh, Cannon also brings a lot to the the table in a from a driver perspective sometimes he runs lines out there that you don't necessarily see other people running and they work and so just that added perspective uh is definitely going to be beneficial to both of them we talk all the time about creating stars and that's what we try to do uh on flow and buddy kofoid already is a star um you know winning both sprint car races in arizona well two of the three um fantastic wing sprint car driver who ran a lot at fremont and attica and kind of did a similar path to Christopher Bell, and 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 he will come out and say that you know Bell is one of his mentors. Um, do you think that Buddy Kofoid gets to that next level and becomes a Christopher Bell or a Kyle Larson uh, in the next few years? Without a doubt, yeah, I've been saying that. I met Buddy whenever he was just a young lad and came down and ran the uh, we ran the oh, down Cocopa the Winter Heat Winter Heat Spring Car Showdown Cocopa was the first time I met Buddy Kofoid. And uh, he has grown tremendously since then, but he's still a kid to me, you know, just to see him. But uh, just watching him run at the winter heat where he was running with a massive amount of talent down there in 410 spring cars and held his own and uh, just seeing him come up through. But I, I've said that I said that Buddy Kofoid is going to be to Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson, what Christopher Bell was to Kyle Larson whenever he came on the scene. And it's just uh, he's definitely he's. He's basically Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell with 15 years less experience right now. 
but he is he is without a doubt one to watch. Well, and that's the crazy thing too is that you know he's he's 18, and I watched him four or five years ago run a sprint car at Calistoga. You know, so he was 14 and had already been racing sprint cars for you know a couple years at that point. Like it's insane that he you know is as young as he is still, and he's you know as good as he is, but he's been racing for you know five or six years already. It's unbelievable. It's crazy because I had the the realization today when I looked at Justin Grant has been 14 years a full-time race car driver and he started his career you know with USAC and, and moved to Indiana around the time when I started announcing it like a Waynesfield and stuff and I'm like holy crap I it's I am old like I'm getting old like because the Grants and the Courtney's and the Wyndham's they have been racing for 15 years with USAC it's crazy and they still and like Chet was saying they just still seem like little kids to me mm-hmm. even though they were older than me when they started. Yeah, to go back and to go back and touch on the Buddy Kofoid thing, I, th- I think it's interesting. When we were down at the uh, Tulsa shootout, I was talking to Christopher Bell the one morning. It just came up, and I said, "I said I want to ask you a question." I said, "I want to know what drivers are you watching? Like, which ones do you think are the ones that you need to worry about coming up?" And Buddy Kofoid was the first one out of his mouth. So that's just add to that conversation, you know, but, but yeah, you're right. It is. It's a young crop of drivers across the board, not only for midgets, but for sprint cars too. But the thing that's changed for me, because I'm a lot older than both of you guys, you know, I'm past that half century mark, but whenever (laughs) I was growing up, race car drivers didn't get in the sprint car until they were 18, 20, you know, 25 years old is whenever you made to move into the bigger classes. And now you have these kids that start racing whenever they're like four, and so by the time that they are, you know, Buddy Kofoid picked up his first sprint car win at age 11. Well, at that point in time, 11 is young, but he had already been racing for, what, seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's just, it's crazy. how. And Stevie Reeves always talks about how he couldn't get into one of these cars until he was 21 or whatever. And that's like, that's too late. Yeah. Nowadays, to get into the car at 21, you're way too late. Like. Some of the guys that stood out to me, uh, and you mentioned the micro series. There's a lot of good micro racers, fantastic micro racers, um, like Jacob Denny, uh, who, who who's been running with um, Petrie, and he's going to continue. Uh, he looked phenomenal at the Chili Bowl. Um, you know, there's there's a lot like the Brent Cruz kid that runs at Millbridge. Mm-hmm. He is a fantastic talent. I think he's 11. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? He drives like he's 15 to older. I mean, he's these there's some incredible talent. They start early. My only concern is, are they going to get wore out? Are they going to do too much racing and not like it anymore when they get to the point of like Brady? Ba- so you have like guys like Brady Bacon and Tyler Courtney and Chris Wyndham. They have never got wore out from it. I think that's what makes a great race car driver a great race car driver is they're doing something they love, that they're passionate about. They do it because they love it. You're going to have drivers that burn out and go away, and we've already seen that. You just don't realize it. You know that some that have really backed off and maybe are focused on different things. Maybe they they have a you know a family or girlfriend or something like that, and they just don't race like they used to. But the ones that are really driven are the ones that make a name for themselves, and they're, and they're doing it because they love it, and they're just going to keep doing it because they love it. Yeah, and I think I think a, you know a common denominator too with that is the guys that do it for a long time win. So. They, yeah. you know, they can do it for a long time and they have that passion and fire because they win. I mean, look at Dave Darlin. He's raced yeah. for 150 years, you know, but it's because he keeps winning. <laughs> There's so. also guys that only know racing and only know that money from racing is the way they make a living. Right. Um, like when you mentioned the the guys who have burned out and, 
and kind of gave it up. And Dylan mentioned winning. I guess who is that? Who is that guy that burn out? And I had one name pop into my head as soon as you guys started talking about it. who's the guy that burned out and that was a winner. I think Darren Hagen. Darren Hagen was a fantastic race car driver. I called, you know, um, a couple of his wins. He was good on pavement. I think he actually beat C Bell the first time C Bell ran on pavement, and then C Bell beat him the next time. Um, but he won so many good midget races. He was a fantastic race car driver. And all of a sudden, he's like, I want to be a businessman. You know, some guys do that. You know, I guess Tracy Hines was, for another example, I mean, Tracy Hines is the same age as Dave Darlin. He won a lot of races. He probably accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. But there are some guys that just decide they want to do something else. And maybe it's a safety thing. Maybe it's a family thing. I'm not sure. So I was, whenever, whenever I said that, I was thinking of Jason Myers. You know, he went out and won a World yeah. Outlaw Championship. Next year, just stopped racing. So. That's a phenomenal point. Yeah, Jason Myers was a fantastic race car driver. I thought Jason Myers, when he won those championships with the Outlaws, he was going to be the Donnie Shots. He was going to be the guy that stuck around and won 11 championships. And then, uh, of course, Shots was there. And that I think that I think the Outlaws do look back at that and think, man, that was a bummer because that could have been a great rivalry between them two. Uh, even though they probably don't have you know you know separate personalities or whatever that that would make them kind of clash. But I think that. He would, have, he would have really competed with Donnie uh, in that. You brought up the Outlaws, and me and Dylan were talking about this in the Open. I don't know. We, we were probably running a little tight on time. Not too bad. Um, what do you think about their you know, announcement that James McFadden is going to get you know, a certain amount of points for missing some races, even though he's overseas, trying to get back over here, all of the COVID restrictions and all that you know, um, mess or whatever? Um, what do you think about that, that he still get to be on the points tour and he still gets the points um, for, for, I guess it's unforeseen circumstances points. And I, this, you know, we're in unprecedented times right now. And I, I, I understand what they're doing and I, and I agree with it on certain levels, but on other levels, I don't necessarily agree with it. Like I'm the guy that <laughs> I've never been one for provisionals. I feel like if you can't race your way in, you shouldn't get a provisional to get in that night. It's just not your night to be in a race. You know, that's just the way races should be run. But at the same time, I understand why provisionals exist. And I think that's, those points are a little bit like a provisional, a season provisional, if you will. And just to keep him in a mix, because if you wouldn't offer that, then what's his incentive to come back over here and run this season? You know, he would just skip the whole season and you're missing a very talented racer if that's the case. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, there's arguments for it and there's arguments against it, but I understand why they're doing it. Yeah. It's weird because I was on the side when Kyle <laughs> Bush broke his leg in Daytona and sat out all those races, came back and won the championship that year. I was on the side of he was a deserved champion. But now I feel like, man, how, how do those racers that are competing for a World of Outlaws championship feel that they have to spend, you know, they have to um, put in a little bit more time, right? You know, they have to race a little bit more races, and obviously it's a grind, but I don't know where I stand on that. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, interesting, and the rule is weird, um, but – Obviously, James McFadden, like you said, is a great race car driver, so uh, that's really all we need to say about that. So, uh, before we let you go, chat, I want to get into a little bit of your background of announcing. Where did you start announcing? Right, right? it was. Were you in Vegas? Uh, is that where you first started announcing? The technically, the first thing I announced was uh, boxing. I announced boxing in Alabama. Uh, was the first really? thing I ever announced. Yeah, yeah, and then I ended up moving to Vegas. Uh, I started uh, announcing motorsports at Pahrump Valley Speedway in Pahrump, Nevada, over the hump in Pahrump uh, from Las Vegas. And that was just a fluke where I was out there watching the races and their their announcer uh, said that he was moving, like he was leaving the area and they didn't have an announcer. And if there was anybody out there that felt like they could be an announcer, then come up and let us know. And 
I looked at my buddy that I was out there with and I said, I think I can do that. And he said, well, why don't you go tell them that? And I said, okay. And so I went up and poof, one thing led to another and I That's ended up awesome. at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And yeah, it's been, it's been interesting ever since. You told me an awesome story about Kyle Busch from the Las uh, Vegas Motor Speedway about how he was passing setups through the fence to one of the racers. Like Kyle wasn't old enough to race a stock car. Can you tell that story or is that not allowed? Yeah, no, that's fine. No, that's uh, Robbie Guevara is the racer. Robbie Guevara has a couple championships at Bullring. He has like three off-road racing championships, very good racer. And the first year, his first championship came, uh, Kyle Busch, I, the way I understood it, was too young to get into the pits. There was an age limit on the pits, and he was too young. And Robbie Guevara would go out, and we're talking pavement racing, would go out, and he would run his practice session and come off the track. They'd take tire temperatures, and they'd write them down on a piece of paper. And he would go over to the fence and pass that piece of paper out through the fence to Kyle Busch. Kyle would look at the tire, tire temperatures and then tell Robbie what changes to make on his car. Uh, to go back out on the track again. And Robbie swears up and down that if it wouldn't have been for this young Kyle Busch, that he would have never won his first championship at the Bullring. That's awesome. <laughs> that's that's what makes the, the the great race car drivers just ridiculous race car drivers. Like, that's yep. that's just amazing. I mean, but, but he is smart with that stuff, and that's why his trucks teams have been so good and his late model teams are the best there is. And that's, that goes back to a thing where I, and I firmly believe that your best race car drivers are drivers that work on their cars, or at least know to work on the cars. Kyle Larson would be the exception to the rule by, you know what I mean? Because everybody, and I, I feel like Kyle knows more about cars than he lets on. Sometimes that might be a little role that he plays that he doesn't really know much about the cars, but uh, Tyler Courtney comes to mind because Tyler worked as a crew guy for Brian Clausen for years and worked on the race cars. And I feel like that has to help as a driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it helps just with understanding, you know, what you need from the car. You know, if you understand what certain changes, how they affect the car, I think it, I think it does help. And I think Kyle, you know, I think Kyle, like Kyle's always been fascinating to me because if you listen to his post-race interviews, his memory is so good about how he can recount the race and, you know, on what lap certain things happened. And I think that probably helps him too with the setup is he just has such a vivid memory and can detail, you know, exactly what was going on at a certain point that I think probably helps him, you know, with the setup for the car. Yeah. It's, it's feel it's analytics and it's what he can relay information to Paul Silva, the greatest mm -hmm. mind in sprint car racing. Right. I mean, he doesn't get in bad cars. You'll notice that he'll never get in a bad race car. That, that is something you never do if you're a great, right? I mean, Larson will never sit in a bad race car again. Tony Stewart never sat in a better race car again. That's money. Right. But, at the same time, he can tell the guy wrenching on the car more information about those race cars and what he feels in the race car than any other race car driver in the pit area. He just doesn't know what makes it do that, right? <laughs> he just It's just the feel. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, but then you got guys like Brady Bacon who work on their own stuff, and Tanner Thorson, we, we mention him all the time. You know, he, he wrenches on his own cars and knows what to change after he has that feel, right? That's – that's where the difference is. And I think that maybe Larson has an advantage in a bit because he doesn't have to worry about it. He just shows up, drives the car harder than anyone else, and it's just like, let's not – I mean, I don't, I don't know how to do that. So, I mean, just fix it, right? That's all it is. <laughs> but anywho. Uh, okay, and then um, after that. So then when did you get involved with Speed Shift, and then how did, how did all that go? When, did, when was your first – uh, dirt sprint car race or, or, or dirt race in general? 
No. Well, we had, uh, so I was working at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. I was a school teacher at the time and just sick of teaching for many different reasons. And uh, there was another company that came in to broadcast the Duel in the Desert, and they offered me a job as a full-time announcer with them. And so that was in 2013, the fall of 2013, so like right around November. The uh, I took a job with them and was on the road for five months maybe with that company, and I just wasn't wasn't happy with how things, how they did business. I just didn't agree with it. And so that's whenever I met Darren. And so Darren and I were actually down here in Florida, uh, down here for the Speed Weeks. And I got talking to him and, and uh, convinced him to maybe start our own business. And then I went to another friend for, to, uh, to join us with that. And we put together Speed Shift. And then Speed Shift started in 2014, uh, right after the Speed Weeks down here. So f- right after February is whenever that started. And then our first broadcast was May 25th of 2000. Is that right? 2014. Yeah was our first broadcast. But at the time, uh, to make it all work, uh, Darren was full-time with Speed Shift from a word go, but it would only support one person at first. And so I took a job at 141 Speedway in Francis Creek, Wisconsin, and worked as a general manager of the racetrack up there for the first, for that 2014 season. And then at the end of that season, then I went with Speed Shift full-time. And then it was just Darren and I for a while. And then we hired Nate Hartman, uh, who was still with us at Flow Racing. And, uh, it just grew from there. So, yeah, we had about six years, I think, in our 2015, it might have been. Yep. And um, it's been, you know, a fun ride. I mean, you're on the road a lot. You uh, you lived in a camper. You're, you're, you called your residence, what, Jacksonville Speedway for a, a while, right, in a camper? Yeah, I was up there. I spent spent a full season in Jacksonville. Actually, that was the first year when they were still getting things uh, finished up on construction. So I got to be around a lot of that and hang out with those guys and just uh, – a lot of hard work went into that place. It was it's it was awesome, but yeah, I lived in a camper pretty much full time through most of the year for the entire duration of Speed Shift TV. It just worked out better travel wise that way. I carried equipment around with me, and then we used my camper's production studio, and so I just traveled the whole time. But uh, yeah, whenever we whenever Flow we came under the umbrella of Flow, uh, I sold the camper when I got back to Vegas, and now it's I get to spend more time than ever in home in Vegas, which is different for me. You know, I like being on the road. I like traveling. I like being out and seeing things and going different places to eat, which you can relate to and uh, stuff like that. So, yeah. 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 I'm going to, I'm we're going to do something similar. I think, well, we moved up to Michigan, so we're going to be able to hit a lot of races in Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania. We're going to take the camper. We're going to have some fun this summer. I probably won't be, you know, I probably will come back home a lot, right. To get, you know, cleaned up or whatever and blah, blah, blah. But um yeah it's that's gonna be a fun time well chat i'll see you in florida thanks for coming on the show uh it was good to have you on and hear your story and also uh preview the usac season appreciate that thanks for having me on Twelve years ago today was the was the fire safety scene in the office. Oh God, that's the funniest scene. <laughs> that is Save awesome. Bandit. <laughs> today, smoking will save lives. <laughs> when Jim puts his uh, uh, Dwight's 
desk in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wash your hands, Kevin. Lot <laughs> of white sitting there. <laughs> Jim calls him and he's like, <laughs> what does he say? He's like, uh, he says, like, can you tell me what kind of paper is being sold? And Dwight's like, Jim, I just told you this yesterday. Like while he's sitting in the bathroom. <laughs> Chet Christner, everyone here on Flow Racing on the Loud Pedal Podcast. It was awesome to have him on. Fantastic announcer. Um, it's been fun to work with him at Flow. He, of course, uh, told you about the Speed Shift uh, connection. Well, Flow purchased Speed Shift, and Chet is now an employee along with Haley and Darren. And he mentioned Nate Hartman and a few others. I think Gary Silverman did some work with them. Uh, they're all Flow Racing employees now, and they're fantastic. They're invaluable to what we do at Flow. And they, um, Chet is a very good announcer. A lot of people love Chet. He, um, he brings up our broadcast big time. Every broadcast he's on is raised up, not only in the numbers that are watching, but also, um, the way he conducts the broadcast is better than most people in live streaming. He just, he gets, he gets live streaming because he has held the camera behind a live stream. He has produced live streams. Yeah. He has set up live streams. He have done, he has done everything and announcing is just what he's best at yeah he understands how the flow of the show should go and what his role is as the broadcaster and announcer to do that so that always helps you know when when you have a you know when you have a live show it, it helps to have people that you know understand and respect each other's role and if you've done it all then that certainly aids in that and it's weird because i was with usac in 2013 so i never got to work with chet until now so seven years later uh but for those seven years i've obviously watched a lot of races that he's been on and i've never met the man behind, you know, the voice. Uh, but we started working together at Tuscora 50, started working there. We did a lot of work together in Tulsa shootout. He was my cameraman actually at the Tulsa shootout and he kind of shot everything and I uploaded it. Um, and we're going to do the same thing in Ocala. So it's going to be fun to uh, work with Chet again this week. I believe he's going to do, uh, we're going to do some on air on uh, camera stuff, but also, um, he's going to do a lot of shooting as well. So, um, Florida coming up. Are you excited about this D Welch? I mean, um, the USAC season is back already. It feels like it just ended. Yeah, I'm excited to watch. Um, you know, obviously last year we were able to to go down there and sneak over there for a night. Um, oh, that was a fun night. But um, oh boy, that was fun. But we cannot get into the just for legality purposes. Get into what we did that night. But <laughs> oh my god, that was fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna miss that actually. But I'm. Uh, that's the thing. Dirt track racing now has sort of become work, which is fun. Uh, you know, because I love working in dirt track racing, uh, but I don't get to party as much. Um, I know. I didn't, chili bowl. You know, oh, so, man. you know what? I thought of this the other day and I never told you Lenny's has golden tea. What? And I was, I played one of the nights we went. My wife and I went into Lenny's at the Tulsa shootout. No one was in there. It smelled like an ashtray and we were like, but I mean, all the bars smell like ashtrays around there. So that's not really an excuse. They had, uh, it but, was, but it, no one was yeah. there. The drink was expensive. I imagine the party was fun, but I didn't get over there during the chili bowl. Tim and I just decided that we were not going to get COVID. Like we just, I mean, I mean, I mean, everyone else, uh, I haven't heard, you know, I haven't heard anything. So, um, I think everyone came out of the chili bowl healthy. Um, we just, we weren't going to put ourselves in that situation. So we didn't go out. Um, and we didn't. And plus we were working so much. We were posting videos at three in the morning every night. You could have done that from the bar. (laughs) We went to ponchos, uh, ponchos, 24 hour, Mexican. I am their spokesperson now because I literally kept them afloat um, through the entire week of Chili Bowl. Did you? Tim and I both. We had a burrito every night. Wow. 
at like how one that, in the morning. How that treats you the next day? Oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. The bungalow now, the bungalow had fast ass internet. It did not have a shower. Um, <laughs> it had a bathtub and vintage bathtub with a hose on it. Uh, so you know we had to clean up a lot of water when we were done with our baths or whatever or showers, but. Uh, you know, take a little bubble bath after the the old chili bowl. Yeah. Soak in that dirt. Yeah, just soak it all in. <laughs> yep. That is gross. A bath is the worst thing you could do after a chili bowl. Yeah, that would be gross. <laughs> or after after a dirt race. A dirt race. Like, yeah. do not take baths. That would That's be just, disgusting. Yeah, and then if you in you almost every time you go to a dirt track, you have to take a shower before you go to sleep. Right. I mean, naturally, yes. Get like dirt all over your pillow, and it's yeah, just, you don't want gets that. gross sometimes. I don't know, sometimes you get home and you're like, it's 4 a.m., do I want to shower? But See, I have to, because I can't go to bed. Gross. I can't go to bed at that dirty. I mean, I'm a gross man, but... You uh, are, that is true. <laughs> I don't usually do that. How about this? Uh, Greg got rid of us, and uh, Ricky Rackman's here now. They, they they brought in real celebrities. Ricky's here? That's Ricky Rackman. Oh, right it was? There. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, it's Ricky Rackman. He he uh, sells his T-shirts out of here now and like kind of has his business here. Oh, I didn't know that with Greg. So that is big. I should ask Chet because I bet you because Chet worked in the music industry. Yeah, he probably knows Ricky. Yeah, he worked in the music industry and did like uh, sound behind the scenes. Yeah, that's big uh, time. We we got to get some of those stories from Chet from uh, going rock and rolling. Yeah. Oh, that could be a whole other podcast. Yeah, he can't tell some of them, but he told me some good ones. I have to tell you when we get off air some of these stories. But anywho. Um, we, and we kind of interrupted our open. Uh, I think we stay how it is. Uh, power rankings. They will be coming out. Hopefully the winged sprint car races after Volusia. We'll have the winged portion when the USAC sprint car series portion of the winter dirt games ends is when we will have our first non wing portion and the rest of the year going all the way to November. We, <coughs> we will have a winged portion and a non wing portion of the sprint car driver rankings on flow racing and yes there is a voting panel media members involved we got some drivers we got uh we, we can say drivers because dylan's on there i mean he's a part-time driver now um crew members we got a few crew members on there and of course some of the people involved with the sanctioning body you know with pr or whatever um but yes this it's a good panel it's a very good panel i believe in all of them um there are some guys that are a tad too high uh, in our first test run that we had, but uh, for the most part, I was happy with the wing sprint car rankings, and they're going to be very, very good. All right, hat shakes. Who do we got? I'm going to give mine to this Screvin because of their food. I mean, <laughs> oh god, I'm, I'm just telling you, like that's that's a big deal when you go to racetracks uh, and they have concession stands that the food looks like that. So that's a it's a big <laughs> it's a big time move. I almost drove from Michigan to Georgia when I saw the picture that postman yeah. posted. I would food. have. I mean, that's that's that looks like a that looks amazing fried food right there. Uh, hopefully, Bubba has some good ones uh, this weekend. I'll be at Ocala for the get, next two get days. Gary's nuts. Gary's nuts. What? Tell me about it. It's the like the fried peanut stand. It's right outside the. Are they the fried or are they gate. boiled? Because boiled peanuts uh, are bullshit. Um, I don't remember. It's been a while. Boiled peanuts are not good. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, now. There's people in the South that like to put their peanuts and Coke. Easy. Coca-Cola. Yeah. Yeah, put their peanuts in Coca-Cola. What, what would you say easy for? Because of the peanuts thing? <laughs> Got to enunciate. I think, yeah, like they, it's a Southern thing. You put your peanuts in there, you, you drink the Coke, you eat the peanuts after, yeah. they taste like Coke. That actually might be pretty good. Go but check out boiled ga- peanuts Go check gross. out Gary's Nuts. No. 
I will not be doing that. I'm going to have to check out some of the food places in Ocala. Your loss. And the concession stand while I'm there. Uh, between content, I will most likely be uh, eating food. Um, yeah. Where should I go to? So uh, we can end it this way. Where should I go uh, for lunch here? I haven't eaten my food yet. Uh, I was thinking maybe like a Zaxby's. This is right here. Um, I went to Honey Baked Ham. Uh, no. Got, got the See, BC special. Tavern Club on a croissant. No mayo. A, nice. I saw someone eating Jimmy John's. I love me some Jimmy John's. Where I'm at, we don't have a lot of the Jimmy John's. We don't have Zaxby's. We went to cookout last night. I'm done with cookout. Um, what what else? What else do they got around here that could be good? Gee, I don't know. I mean, it's only you Burger know, King, North Carolina. <laughs> Zaxby's, Chick Fil A, PDQ. You get a little tenders you there could, on the way yeah, down. On do the way PDQ. down. Yeah. On the way down. Yeah, I'm gonna have to figure that out. But uh, yes. Are you driving to Florida? No. Oh, okay. I'm flying to Florida tomorrow morning. Oh, okay. But then flying back here. Yes, and thank you for watching my dog uh, and picking her up from her uh, injections. And her and Jana can have some fun. Not too much fun, though, because they can have fun, though. It's all right. Jana will be excited to have a friend. <laughs> Old Mildred. Old Mildred. Then we got to drive. When I get back Sunday here in Charlotte, then we got to drive back up. So, uh, anywho. Thanks for joining us. Episode 21 with Chet Christner was a good one. Previewing the USAC midget season. Sprint cars are next week. More all-star racing tonight at Volusia. The following night at Volusia. Two nights at Volusia. Then, of course, uh, the World of Outlaws take over at Volusia. But don't worry. We have USAC midget racing happening on flow as well. And uh, the occasional modified race and everything else that's going on um, between arena cross and snowmobiles and a bunch of stuff we got more racing than you can ever dream about that's right on flow dylan thanks for dressing up today uh you look nice thank you looks like you got done working out or something i did the ball state uh cardinals the mighty fighting cardinals i never told these guys about um the power hour we had at your house <laughs> yeah <laughs> dylan you dylan was a power hour producer uh, back in the day uh, at Ball State where he would take music videos, old-ass music videos, and form them into a power hour of sorts by producing. It's really good, actually. It's it, um, it, uh, it's fun. But we came down here one time and did that, and that was great. That was fun. I'll have to do one again. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot of work. All right, until next week, uh, we'll see you. Then we'll be back on our remote, but uh, it was fun doing it in studio. This is what I miss the most about living down here, doing it uh, in studio. It's a different show. It's a better show. But uh, the remote, the remote is nice. It is nice. I mean, I like, uh, you know, just doing it from my desk at home, and I'm sure you probably do too. It's nice, but it was good to see you. Yeah, it is good to see you, buddy. Uh, we'll talk to you next week on episode 22 of the Loud Pedal Podcast on Flow Racing.